0: Hello, this is Brighter Evening, a podcast where we discuss fun, food, and ideas to make the world brighter. Good evening, my name is Josh, and this is Brighter Evening. I hope this evening finds you well. Tonight I'm going to talk about what I think may be one of the most controversial subjects I've ever covered in this podcast, and interestingly... It doesn't sound like it should be controversial. It doesn't sound like something people should have strong opinions about. And yet, in my experience, when you start having these conversations, people really do have strong opinions on this stuff, and it's really interesting. Um, I'm going to start with something I don't think people actually do in my experience have strong opinions about, but it's pretty pretty um, essential to our daily lives, right? It's something we encounter often, and that's numbers, how we count. How we, how we look at numbers. And so, uh, of course, anyone listening to this podcast is familiar with and uses the base 10 number system, right? We count from 1 to 9 and then we get to 10. And when after you get to 19, you go to 20. After you go to 99, you go to 100 and so on. So every time you go up by um, another factor of, you know, to another another place, you go up by a factor of 10, right? So you have the ones place, the tens place, the hundreds place, and then in each position you can have a number between zero and nine. And that is, of course, the number system we've all grown up with using, and it's the most common number system around the world. And it's so common, we assume that it's the only one people use, that it's somehow a natural system. And it's easy to see why we would look at it as a natural system. Of course, you, you look down at your hands, and if you've got both of your hands and they're formed normally, you've got... 10 fingers. So, there you go. Base 10, right? You can count to 10 on your hands. And when you're a little kid, maybe you even do that. Um, you know, there's the old joke about not being able to past 10 with your shoes on. Um, right? So you can you can keep counting with your toes there. And, uh, you know, that takes you to 20. So if you're going to rely on body parts, 5, 10, and 20 do seem like pretty... Normal ways to count, but there could be others, right? Is there any particular reason you couldn't go to 12, and then you know 12 is where you get to a new one, right? So you'd have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and then you know use two other symbols, uh, A, B, B would be 11, and then 10 would be 12, right? That'd be your base 12 number system, and you know that may sound kind of hard, but if you learned that growing up, you could do multiplication, addition and subtraction just as easily. You probably have different symbols than than A and B, which are what you'd typically use in a you know in a classroom for for those other bases or in a, in, in a computer setting. But we have 10. And right? We count 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10. Or maybe start with 0. We have unique words for each of them and then we get past that and in English, right, we have this weird word 11. 12 sounds kind of like 2. And then we've got 13, which is like 3 10, sort of 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. So, you have this this kind of word that that has 10 in it and the other number. So, English is pretty much base 10, right? 11 is kind of the oddball there. But it's it's pretty easy to argue that, you know, you're just saying these things, and you have 21, 22, and then at that point it's just a 20 plus the other number. If you go into the French system, it's kind of similar as you go up through 10, up to about you know, 14 or something. They've got unique words for all of them. And then there's a few words in there that are like 10, 7, 10, 8, 10, 9, and then you get to 20. And they go to tw- they say 20 and 1, un, right? And then 22, 22. Um, So, the French system almost feels like it it almost made it to being based on the number 20. And I actually think it may have been anciently. I don't have any evidence for it. I haven't really done any research. But there's something there that feels that way to me. And what it is, is when you get up to 60. Once you get to 60, they don't have a word for 70. The word for 70 is sixty ten. And then you do the same thing at eighty. The word for ninety is eighty ten. Ninety-nine is eighty uh nineteen. And eighty itself is a really strange word. Now this is of course in the in the kind of Parisian French, the French you speak in France. In Belgium they actually have a word that means seventy and a word that means ninety. But they're not used in France and French people look down on them for it, but I think the French people probably have it backwards there. I think I think in this case the uh, the people in Belgium maybe have the right idea since since we're all very strictly base ten. Um, in in French in France, the word for eighty is quatre which literally means four twenties. Right. That's that's a very base twenty thing to say. And it gets really crazy, right? The number ninety-nine is four twenty ten nine. Right? It's like four times twenty plus ten plus nine. French people, of course, don't think of their numbers that way. Talk to a French person about this, and until I brought it up, he'd never really even thought about it. He's like, no, just that's the number ninety. That's how we say it. But now that you mention it, yeah, that does make sense. And and so you know, I, I can look into the French system and say. Wow, you know, there's there's really something kind of base twenty ish about it, right? Like twenty seem to be their fundamental number, fingers and toes. There's the Cambodian system. And Cambodian has a kind of similar cycle, but it's a much shorter one. You count to five, be buen, bram, and then you'll you'll say five plus the other number. Bramui is six, brampi or brampo is seven. For eight, and then you finally have a special number for ten, and then after that it's ten plus you know this other stuff, so it could be ten, five, six becomes your number for sixteen. So the Cambodian system seems to be very much a base five system, and now, like all places I've interacted with people from. They do use base ten, right? They, they, that's that's how they conceive of their numbers. They're written numbers they have ten symbols for zero to zero to nine, and they write their numbers just like we would in English, except they don't use Roman numerals. They don't use uh, Arabic numerals for their numbers, like like we do in English. They they have their own symbols that they use, um, but they use these you know the standard way of doing things, and it's still base ten. And so here there's five in there, right? That and that that makes sense, right? There's five on one hand, and so, you know, see five here and two there, that's seven. Um But it's interesting, right? That that doesn't feel like it was naturally base ten. It seems like their culture, maybe, anciently at some point, was a base five culture. And you know, once you understand numbers, you just think of the number as the number, right? You're not really sitting there thinking about like how many fives or twos and stuff are in a a seven or in a thirty eight, like you, you do that division when you need to, but usually it represents something, right? Like you've got 38 cupcakes that you need to distribute to two classes and there's, you know, however many kids in the class and so you're trying to figure out if you have enough cupcakes and how many leftover are going to be in your office to eat later. Um, you know, that that's when you're kind of encountering math in your day, that kind of math in your day-to-day life. If you're doing something a little bit more numerically focused, whether it's, you know, some hobby that involves some math, and, and I know of a lot of them that do, um, or you're, you know, you're a mathematician or an engineer or something, um, you know, then, then maybe you're encountering more advanced math on a more regular basis, right? If you're, if you're doing, a, you know, graphical stuff or electronics, um, certain types of things with cars, if you're you're getting a little bit more advanced, you end up needing, you know, different sorts of math to kind of figure out uh, different things you need to worry about. And you just think about the numbers. And so it's taken me a while to kind of roll back and, and think about... Um, think about this and and these different bases and it, it comes it comes from some of this this thing that I think is controversial, which is measurement units. people are very attached to them they they have really strong feelings about it, not everyone, but a surprising amount of people if you say a certain measurement unit is is fine to use uh you know in some context depending on what it is or just in general for some people. They get a little frustrated by it. They get upset. They'll argue with you. They'll yell, you know, and and to me, that's that's actually kind of interesting. Um, there, there's a very cultural aspect to our measurement units. Um, but before we get into that, there's a couple other options I want to talk about that um, that make sense. So we have Roman numerals, right? And if you think about Roman numerals, they are sort of base five, at least you know, first few, because you you write up to three as as like eyes, and then you have IV for four, and then V, and then VI, VII. So like, those are are very much base five, and then you get up to ten, and you end up with like XIV and all these you know different things, right? For for fourteen, it's not necessarily the most straightforward thing to see today, but I think that's because most of us don't really use abcuses. At least that's what I was reading. Um, the Romans uh, apparently had a system, and there's there's a manuscript published in like 1520 about it um, which which I've linked to in the show notes of counting to a thousand on on their hands and they'd have one hand that was for the numbers one through nine and then uh, also 10 through 90 and then the other hand would be 100 through one thousand and so there's ten different gestures you can make with each hand um, you couldn't you couldn't necessarily express a number like 35 but you could express the number uh you know 430 i guess actually it was a uh 100 on the on the one hand i guess the left hand it would be 100 through 900 and then 1000 through 9000 would be numbers that you can express so um that's that's one system i learned in in a class many years ago that was, was i think it was a latin class that the system that they would use would have your right hand, have your fingers each represent 1, and your thumb represent 5. So if you had a thumb and a, your index finger up, that would represent 6. Um, and then on your other hand, your fingers would represent 10, and your thumb would represent 50. So if you had both thumbs up, that's 55. If you have uh, you know your left finger and your left thumb up, that's 60. You had a right finger, it's 61, things like that. Um and that that's kind of an interesting system. It's a very different way of counting than we normally do where we just show numbers 1 through 10 and if it's bigger than that well we're just going to talk about it. Except on trading pits. Um if if you're trading in the pit in like the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, they have very specific hand gestures um that you use to show 3, right, where you can spread your fingers very far so it's easy to see because they need to execute those trades correctly and you have to see it from a distance. I I talked to someone quite a few years ago about this and I mean, I don't even know if the Chicago Mercantile Exchange is, is uh, operating with people in the pit anymore. But, you know, he was doing different kinds of futures contracts there, I guess. And what what he said is if your hand was up, so you take your, kind of make the okay sign, right? So you've got your, your index finger and your thumb down, you spread out the other three, that would be the number three. If you turned it sideways, then that would be the number uh, 80, Right, so you're, by turning your hand sideways, you get you you add something, and then if it was at um, mouth level, it was times one. If it was at head level, you know it's times ten. If it's a little higher, it's a hundred. So they had a system where they could say like three hundred really easily and and execute an order that way and and send their signals back and forth. It's very different from how people typically do it, but if you understand it, it's not too hard to figure out the. The one I linked to, the, the gestures are a little bit harder to follow, but you know with a little practice, I think anyone could probably pick them up. Um, there's another one that's that's out there. I figured it out uh, at one point. I've seen other people. There's a, there's a t-shirt version of it, where uh, you you have your hands out flat, and you're you're doing this in base two, so it's it's like binary numbers. So your right most pinky represents the number one or zero. Your your rightmost um, index finger, uh, sorry, your rightmost um, ring finger would be 2 or 0, and then your middle finger on your right hand would be 4 or 0. Your index finger on your right hand would be 8 or 0, and so on, all the way up to your left hand pinky, which would be 512 or 0. And so with that, you can show any number between 0 and 1,023. A t-shirt I saw, of course, had... Um, whatever number, I forget what it is, I, I could calculate it really quick, I guess, but it was whatever number has both middle fingers up, right? Maybe with the thumbs, maybe without, but that that was what the t-shirt was, right? It was explaining this number system, and here's 31, or, you know, whatever it was. I guess it was, it was probably in the hundreds. Um, so, you know, there, there's different ways you can do this stuff, and there are different number systems that are useful. Some of them are in common use in, in the right circumstance, so A really common one I just mentioned is binary, right? Like, everyone knows computers use ones and zeros. And I don't think it's clear to everyone why it's ones and zeros. But the answer is really easy. It's because it's much easier to tell the difference between something being on and off and something being on a tenth of the way versus half the way versus nine-tenths of the way versus all the way. Right, so at, a, at a, an electrical level or a mechanical level, it's much easier to just say is it on or is it not, right? Is the polarity positive or is it negative? Those are much easier to tell, and so it's it's a much easier thing to design, and that's one of the reasons that you stick to binary numbers. But because binary numbers are kind of a pain to deal with for a person because they, they're very long to express something, right? I can write one thousand twenty three in four digits in base ten, but it's ten digits in base 2, in binary, and so um, they come up with some systems to kind of crunch it down a little bit. Um, base 8, or octal, uses three combines three binary numbers into a single digit between 0 and 7. Uh, that apparently used to be common a long time ago. I, I haven't seen it um, myself in, in much. There are some places that, you know, I have seen it as I've read. Um, there are some programming languages that that include it, or maybe a lot of them do. I'm I'm not actually sure how many include octal as an input method. But you know it's it's one of the things that's out there. Um another another one is base sixteen where you take four of these, right? Zero through fifteen, which happens to be four binary digits, that becomes one hexadecimal basic which is base sixteen digit. So you have the numbers zero through nine then you have A, B, C, D, E, F, with F meaning fifteen, and then one zero being sixteen, and one zero zero being sixteen times sixteen, which is two hundred and fifty six. So uh it's a different system. And the reason that one's really popular is because each digit represents one half of a byte. Bytes got standardized a long time ago as eight bits. Um and so you know, that's, that's kind of the fundamental unit. So every time you see two of those, it's this fundamental unit that, you know, computers use at a, at a pretty low level. Um, and so, you know, those those ones are in common use in the world of computers. Um, also, there's a, a, one you could say is maybe common, maybe not, which is base 36. Um, it's, a, it, it's at least one that could be common in just the right circumstance. And if you haven't figured it out from the number 36, maybe it makes sense if I say 10 plus 26. Uh, you have 10 normal numeric digits, 0 through 9, and then you have A through Z. right? So you have base 36. You could turn any number into a sh- much shorter number by turning it into base 36, which could be useful if, if you're able to send letters and numbers, but not other things. Um, there's some other stuff that's sort of similar that's used for sending files in places that you were never supposed to send files, um, you know, in in different older parts of the internet. Um, Yeah, I mean, base 36, I can't say that I've seen it used, but it's not too hard to figure out if you want to sit down and think about how to convert numbers into it. Uh, And then base 60. And I'd also say base 12. I brought up base 12. 12 is kind of an interesting number, and we'll get into that uh, later, but base 60, right? 60 is a cool number because, well, it's kind of big, right? 60 is kind of a lot of something. Um, you know, imagining what 60 cubes would look like is kind of hard. Um, but it's cool because you can divide it in half, you can divide it into quarters, you can divide it into 15ths, you can divide it into uh, 10ths, and 20ths and stuff, right? Like, it, it divides evenly a lot of ways. And... Um, and then you know two of those is or, or you know two units of that is 360 which is you know what we do with a circle and you probably haven't thought about it before but maybe you have you use base 60 a lot base 60 is probably one of the most common number systems you deal with short of base 10 and it may be just as common for you as base 10 and if you're not following how do you tell time how many seconds are a minute? How many minutes are in an hour? It's sixty. We keep track of time in base sixty and it's it's kind of weird, right? I guess it's six times sixty is 360, three hundred sixty thirty six hundred seconds in an hour right sixty times sixty um so I guess I was a little wrong a second ago saying it's how it how a circle is, but a tenths of a degree of a circle maybe right. Base sixty is commonly used, and the question is why why do we use base sixty and not base ten so I want to get into a couple parts of that because I think it's really illustrative of the points I'm going to make in a minute about um measurement bases first of all, we use base sixty because everyone around us uses base sixty right we We use the same hours everyone else does because it's a convention. And the most useful thing about that is that it's a convention. If you say it, people understand what it means. It's kind of a network effect, right? It's the same reason, you know, even if you really don't like a a particular chat application, if all your friends are on it, you'll probably begrudgingly install it so you can talk to your friends. Um, You know, that's, that's not an uncommon thing, right? It's a network effect. Your friends are there, so you're there. And... If you come up with some crazy way to tell time, like Swatch did around the year 2000, I think it was, or 2001, it's not going to catch on, right? No one wanted to hear about internet beats, because they didn't make sense. They weren't really useful and relevant in your, your local time. But, you know, maybe it sold them some extra watches, I'm not sure. Um, but also, it's kind of nice to have this really dividable unit, right? 60. It's kind of easy to work with, because... You can have a half hour meeting which is about a reasonable length or an hour meeting if it needs to be longer. A movie is one and a half hours or two hours or something like that on average right um, if you need to have shorter meetings, you can have three twenty minute meetings in an hour or if it needs to be very brief, you can do four fifteen minute meetings if you know it's kind of a quick thing you can have ten minute meetings you can do six of those per hour if uh, you know you're doing some kind of thing that takes five minutes you Got twelve of those in an hour, so it's really easy to kind of break up your schedule because it's base sixty. In a way, you couldn't do with with some other number systems, right? Like if you're doing it with you know, base thirteen, you can't it's a prime number, you can't divide it up evenly, and that really can be pretty convenient if you're doing things involving time. It's inconvenient when you're trying to convert time units because they're they're kind of confusing. But for actually like dividing up your your day. You know, let's say you were programming a television uh, network, right? And you've got 30-second promos, and so you're going to run, or 30-second advertisements, you're going to run those 30-second advertisements in two-and-a-half-minute blocks. You're going to have two commercial breaks during the half hour. So those are your five minutes. That gives you 25 minutes of show time. And if it's maybe an informational program like the news, then you've got five-segment blocks, um, and then you could have five five-segment blocks with the commercials. right? It's, it's pretty quick to break that stuff up, um, you know I am using half minute units there, but it 's all it 's all pretty natural because even breaking that five minute down into these thirty second things because that 's what we do on t v is kind of simple and um you know the the worst you ever get to is half of something right two and a half minutes and that's really kind of a television convention that it'd be that many commercials. I don't even know if that's right. Maybe they have three commercial breaks and it's two minutes, two minutes, and one minute. Or, you know, maybe they have seven minutes of commercials. I'm not exactly sure, but you could imagine if you were breaking it down, you'd say, okay, we're going to have five segments in this 25 minutes and five minutes for commercials. Yeah, easy. And then you can plan accordingly. So that's time, right? Um, Now the question is why? And... The reason's pretty interesting. Um the the ancient Babylonians were um were used to doing their math in 60s. So they broke the year up into 12 months of about 30 days each based on the lunar cycle. So it's pretty close to the length of a year. It's a little short, but not not terrible. Our current system is actually pretty amazing cuz it's it's uh it keeps days accurate in their place in the year, you know, for like thousands of years. Without, without varying much, right, before you say, ah, we're a day off. Um, now, that comes down to how we do our leap years. Um, but they've got, you know, th- these 360-day years, um, which, right, 360, 6 times 60, um, they had a preference for it, right, because you've got these devi- divisors, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 10, 12, 15, 20, and 30, all divide evenly into 60. That's a lot. It's really convenient, and so they they broke it down that way. They broke down the day into twelve parts, and so they broke the night into twelve parts, considering it kind of a distinct unit, just the way that you know each year is distinct from another. The day was one thing, the night was one thing, so that's how you have twenty-four hours in a in a rotation of the Earth. But you know they they weren't really sitting around with precise timepieces keeping track of how long the day was, right? They had sundials. So they'd say, all right, well, there's twelve. 12 spots on my sundial, and that's how I break up my day. And then, you know, I'm not exactly sure how they track the night. Um, And and so that's the system that's been used since antiquity, at least in the West. I'm not as familiar with other time systems that may have been in place in the East. And now France, they did something interesting. Um, And you might say, well, of course they did something interesting, right? That's... uh, as as a country, they kind of have this culture of trying trying different things, right? Being willing to embrace some some unusual things, while at the same time having some you know very strict cultural requirements. It's it's a very interesting place, and um, and so you know when they had the first republic after the French Revolution, they came up with a new measurement system, one that was more standardized, right? This is now known as the System International, right? the the metric system, as it's known here. and um, I'm going to talk about the metric system in a minute, but the interesting thing is they also tried to come up with a metric time system. So each day had 10 hours in it, uh, and then an hour I think was uh, 100 minutes, and then you'd have 100 seconds per hour. And so you end up with minutes that are probably about the right length, but a very hard-to-divide hour that's a little too long, like a one-hour meeting. That's a really long meeting in that system, and it really isn't that convenient, right? If you got to go plan out your schedule, you know, you, you have to do things in these kind of chunks of five, and people aren't really synchronized like they are on a 24-hour schedule where you're like, okay, 5 o'clock, and then an hour later, there's 6 o'clock, and that's 60 minutes, so I can fit my, you know, my 10-minute check-ins in there, and I'll, I get six of those, so I can do tw- 12 in my two-hour window. Right? You don't—you don't have that with a base-10 system. It's a lot harder to say, you know, we're going to meet on the 15, or we're going to meet on the, um, you know, we'll meet on the 20 or something like that, right? Like it's—it's it's a more complicated system, and it really just never caught on. Um. Now, the rest of the metric system did. But before we get into that, I do want to talk about the way dates are written. Um, there are actually three common systems throughout the world. Um, there is the, it's typically called the European system, but it's its pretty common in most countries, which is day, month, year, right? So you go from smallest to largest unit. That system uh, makes a lot of sense because it's sorted, right? It's a lexicronographic sorting pretty sure I said that word right. It's just a cool sounding word, um, right? But it's a sorting, right? It's like, you know, the smallest unit, the medium unit, the big unit. Um, some countries, of course, go for the year, month, day format, right? Which is from the biggest unit to the smallest. And then um, in the United States, we do a system that's been jokingly called middle Indian, which is the month, day, year system. And um, kind of the reasoning for that system comes down to how you deal with files in a filing cabinet essentially right you you're really interested in month and day right those are kind of like most important pieces of information which month was it which day in that month then you know you're probably not confused about what year it is typically so you kind of move stuff around so it's month day year month day basically captures the same thing but it puts the the really least relevant piece of information in your day-to-day life at the beginning you seldom forget what year it is except for like, you know, the first six weeks after the new year, you keep writing the old year. Or, you know, you're trying to remember the new year and then you're it's like five years ago because, you know, you stayed up too late on New Year's Eve and, and now you're tired. Um, other than those kind of things, right, you, you're never really confused about the year. And so putting the year first and writing it is not really that relevant. So you, you kind of get this format that optimizes for one use case, which is, you know, kind of looking through file folders that are, issue by date or, or sorting dates in you know kind of the recent past um at the expense of being a little bit confusing um if you haven't really dealt with it on a regular basis um day month year of course is pretty clear but it it puts the day first which is the most variable thing right so year month date i think is probably the best because you could just leave off the year when you don't need it probably and in, uh, in many cases certainly in a computer setting you know where you can adjust it um uh, pretty useful um but yeah i mean those those are are just different ways of doing it and they're they all have their strengths right i think if i, if I remember right germany is pretty pretty commonly uses the year month date system i think i read that somewhere um you know and and of course that that also optimizes for being um not just sorted in the in the way the number's written, from like the, this one unit to the other unit, but also makes it really easy to sort your times, right? Your your calendar entries or whatever, because the largest units on one side, and then you have the next largest, and then the next largest. So when you you sort it out, it's going to be in the order of things happening. Um, whereas if you sort it out the day, month, year in the order that they happened, then you end up with you know all the first of the months together, followed by all the second of the months together, and that's not not usually a really great um, way to organize things. It only makes sense if you have some kind of cyclical, say, business or cyclical process that depends on the calendar day and you know date in the calendar, and so you want to look at the first of this month versus the first of the last month or something. In that case, yeah, it's great, but that's a rare case. I think it's much more likely that you're looking at the same day in a given month um, or the same month in a given year. So uh, I really think that. Probably the most practically useful is year month day, but um, you know month month day year. If you've grown up around it, really isn't bad. Um, it, it seldom is confusing, and this stuff can matter. Um, there was a um, there was a family arrested in Spain because they the authorities there got a a notice about some illegal activity uh, on an IP address, and the date given was in month day year format. And they interpreted it as day, month, year format, which was confusing. And so they went and they typed it into their system the way they read it, got the wrong people, and they ended up arrested, having their house raided, having, you know, stuff confiscated. And it was all because of a pretty pretty simple clerical misunderstanding. You know, no one really double-checked it. And they went through a lot of trouble. And And so that kind of comes back to the convention, right? In the United States, there's one convention. In Spain, there's a different convention, and it's nice to have one overall convention which takes you to the metric system and now i think everyone is listening to this is probably familiar with the metric system but if you're not the you know it's the the measurement system used by most countries i think there's 3 that aren't um, the only major country not using it uh, for you know regular day-to-day life is the united states um Although that's not strictly true, which I'll talk about in a second, uh, but the the metric system has these units. It's based on ten. There are seven fundamental units in the metric system. The three that really, really are fundamental, like the three most needed to have measurements that you do day to day, are uh, length, mass, and time. So you've got the meter, the kilogram, and the second. And um, since the metric system gets all the love, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right here. This is my my biggest complaint with the metric system, they picked their base unit to be a thousand of something, rather than just one of something. So I would really prefer it if the gram was the base unit, even if a gram was a thousand times bigger. Of course, it's way too late to do that, but you know, already starting off with something I think is kind of a weird choice. Um, the second for the base unit of time is also an interesting choice. Uh, I think it makes sense because it's our smallest kind of atomic unit in day-to-day life um you know there are obviously sub-second measurements right you can have a microsecond or a picosecond fine but you know that's that's the smallest kind of standardized measurement we we deal with and it you know it's a standard one and then you can not really worry about the fact that everything else in time is base 60 because you can just say well yeah it it was a thousand seconds, or it was ten thousand seconds, and if you need to, you can convert that into you know, whatever that is—eight hours or something, three hours—I don't know. I didn't do the math. Um, that's an interesting one, and and the length of a meter. Um, I, I've got some stuff to say about the length of a meter, but um, we'll get to that in a second. So uh, the other other units are um, uh, the the ampere for electric current. Um, Temperature, which the base unit is not Celsius; it is Kelvin. So, you gotta you gotta double check that. Um, the size of a Kelvin uh, degree is the same size as a uh, Celsius degree. Um, the amount of a substance is a mole, and the luminosity intensity is the candela. So, those are the the standard units, and then of course. Um, You've got the volume measurement, which is a liter, which is related to the length of a meter. It's uh, a cube that is a tenth of a meter in each size. And there's a relationship between um, a liter of water and a kilogram and, uh, and a meter because of that. right? So you've, you've got this relationship. Um, and so those are the base units. Right? And the idea is that everything is base 10 because base 10 is easy. And base 10 is easy um, because, you know, you, you put decimal points, you move them back and forth. And it's easy because we have the convention of base 10. But uh, I'm going to argue um, that there are some flaws with the metric system for day-to-day use. If you're doing anything involving a scientific endeavor, right, whether that's medicine or rocketry or whatever... I think that the metric system is is really good. It's a it's a great fit. There's you know probably a few situations here and there where another unit is fine. Um, you know there's this saying, there are uh, countries that have been to the moon and there's countries that use the metric system. Uh, <laughs> well, it's funny. It's it's not really that accurate, right? Because the the engineers at NASA use the metric system almost entirely, and then you know at the end converted some of the units to. Um, you know, the units that the astronauts would be intuitively used to, right? So they'd, they'd give speed and maybe miles per hour or you know, length in inches or something because those are the units that the astronauts kind of, you know, by convention in their day-to-day lives saw. And that's really what this comes down to. You could, you, you really need to think about measurement systems as a convention. Um, they're pretty arbitrary, right? You just need some length that you're dealing with and you say, ah, yeah, that's the length, right? The The length of a meter was originally some, giant fraction, you know, some one three thirty thousandth or something, or three millionth, I don't know what it was, of the length between the North Pole and the equator, something based on the size of the Earth. And now it's based on, you know, the amount of distance traveled by light in a vacuum in so many seconds, and a second is a certain number of vibrations of a certain atom in a given second, right? So we have these very, very precise measurements that we use. Um, to determine this stuff at the end of it, these units are the size or quantity that they are because someone decided they were and got a bunch of other people to agree, and some of them have good reasons, but you know most of them are just well that's about what it was at the time, and in the kind of imperial or customary system, right the system of the United States the system that's been used in other um Commonwealth countries. Um, and in other countries to varying degrees with varying unit sizes, it's the same thing. Um, There are some arbitrary things. There is no consistency in bases between the units, but the units often are actually pretty convenient sizes. You know, just like when you look down at your hand and you see five of of something, and the other one there's five of something, so you got ten of them down there, so ten is kind of a natural number to work with, or five potentially. Um in the Imperial system, if you look down at your your finger, the distance between the uh first knuckle and the second knuckle of your index finger is about an inch, right? If you if you're in a pinch and you need to figure out about how many inches something is, you can use that. Um it, it won't be perfect. It's not gonna be a perfect inch, but it works. Um you know, if you're an adult man, your foot is probably pretty close to a foot. It's probably a bit shorter unless you have, you know, kind of uh, larger feet, but it's probably around a foot. Um, Certainly your shoe is is probably around a foot, maybe a bit bigger. Um, And, you know, those are are pretty natural, right? Those are intuitive sizes, uh, if you know that. There's another unit that's not used so much in our society, but, um, you know, today, but it it has been used historically, which is the cubit, which is the distance between the tip of your finger and the bottom of your elbow. And that's uh, almost exactly... Uh, eighteen inches on on a lot of people right it's it's another really good measurement you can use it's surprisingly consistent among you know adults um, it's it's interesting right because those are those are pretty good um, intuitive things that are kind of human sized and then you know you go to the the system of measurement we use for distances uh, for i should say for height really right for people's height and again, right in a scientific context, it is probably nice to have an exact number, 154. But like with the number 60, you know, if, if I say that I'm 181 centimeters tall, if you've grown up learning about centimeters or you know meters and centimeters as your measurement system, you probably have an idea of what that means. But if you're first introduced to it, Try imagining 182 of anything versus 170. You'll know 170 is smaller, but but how much smaller, right? You've got to do some, some subtraction figure out, well, there's a difference of 11 or 12 there, and, uh, and how big is that, right? You're you're going to spend some time thinking, and if it's a bigger difference than that, right, there's a difference of 50, and you're not familiar with it. It's tricky. Those numbers aren't actually that intuitive, other than comparison, right? You can say one's strictly larger than the other. But if you give the... Uh, standard method of, of giving the units of height in this customary system the same thing is true about you know strictly being greater than right if you're if you're keeping it within the right number of inches and feet right you don't you don't have a number of inches greater than the number of inches in a foot then you know you say someone's five feet five inches well it's pretty easy to imagine five or 12 of something and get a rough idea of what that is and and then you say okay well Uh, I've got, you know, five feet, five, so it's five feet. I know how big a foot is. And then, you know, five inches, that's, you know, well, it's probably a span between my, my pinky and my thumb, if they're not all the way out or something like that. You can kind of imagine that's, that's about the sizes. So you can say, okay, I've got, I've got a rough idea from that description of how tall that is without really knowing that, that much, you might, you know, you're not going to get it perfect, but for day-to-day use, you're probably not trying to get perfect. You're just trying to get a rough idea, um, a, a pretty reasonably accurate idea. And, and um, you know, the foot is broken down into 12 inches. Um, and so having a base of 12 is pretty great compared to a base of 10, where you can only divide 10 evenly two ways, right? You can divide it by 5, you can divide it by 2. Um, if you have a third of something, that's not great. Because you end up with this repeating decimal. Same thing if you've got two-thirds of something or or you know all these other fractions that just don't work out well, like a seventh. But in in 12, right? 12 inches, you've got you can divide it by two, you can divide it by three, you can divide it by four, you can divide it by six. So you have a lot of different ways to break it down. And if you're, you know, if you're kind of prototyping something working in a workshop, that's kind of nice, right? If you're if you're trying to eyeball something because you're working in your garage. Not not trying to build the next Saturn V rocket. You're just, you know, you're just doing a little bit of woodworking. It can be nice to just say, okay, yeah, well, about a third of that would be uh, would be about four inches. So that's that's about where I need to do it. Um, I'm not saying don't measure twice and cut once, but it, it gives you a good idea to figure out about where you need to start. And that's, that's kind of nice um, in your day-to-day life. Likewise with uh, Celsius versus Fahrenheit. Um in the in the Fahrenheit system, we've got these weird numbers, right? Water freezes at 32 degrees and water boils at 212 degrees. Um but the the kind of difference between those is a little bit interesting. There are 180 degrees between the freezing point of water and the boiling point of water, which gives you 260s. Also, I noticed that you know, when when I've got a thermostat that's uh, digitally represented uh, in Fahrenheit, you adjust things in full degree increments. And in Celsius, it's half degree increments. You know, uh, that that tells you that sort of the minimum difference you'll notice is in one degree Fahrenheit increments, roughly, and half degree Celsius increments, roughly. So for your day-to-day experience being able to specify it in degree units that you recognize is as a change is is useful now the reality is if someone tells you it's a 60 degree day or a 30 degree day you know depending on what the system is you know if it's celsius you know 60 is probably pretty hot and if it's uh fahrenheit you know 30 is pretty cold but you know if someone says it's if you're not familiar with the system and someone says uh, it's 70 degrees Fahrenheit today. You don't know if that's hot or cold or in the middle. Same thing. Someone tells me in, in Celsius it's 18. Well, I know that's above freezing, but you need some experience with those units to really know what that feels like. You know, forget forget adding in uh, some of the other stuff like, you know, wind chill, right? A lot of these units you end up really needing experience with. Um so, you know, there's there's uh, our volumetric measurements, which are also interesting. They're mostly base two. So you go from a cup, two cups is a pint, two pints is a quart, two quarts is a half gallon, and two half gallons is a full gallon, right? Um, and one of the things that I, I find really interesting is the effect that these units have. So, of course, gasoline is sold in the United States in gallons and most other countries in liters, which... I'd pretty arbitrary right you just end up paying if you're paying the same amount it's less per liter right it's 3.8 liters per gallon roughly or you know figure it's around 4 um, a 4 liter difference so because guess a liter and a quart are about the same and you have quart bags and gallon bags and and then sandwich size bags for Ziplocs, and we you know milk you can buy it by the pint by the quart by the gallon um, and remember these are all just, dub- just doubles in quantity when you do that Usually in other countries I haven't seen uh, countries that are very uh, metric, metric focused, um, with the exception of maybe Canada because it's adjacent to the United States and we do a lot of trade together. they don't really sell milk by the gallon, right? You, you can't buy these different quantities, which is interesting and I've, I've been wondering and if you know, you've had this experience, reach out to me, let me know. Um, you can or the contact information for, for the show is on the website. Um, you know I, I don't know if there are bags larger than a liter. Uh, Ziploc style bags, you know, the kind where you like pinch them together. Um, in other countries that are are fully metric, right? We we sell them as quart bags. They're basically liter bags because the you know it's a less than a five percent difference between the two. And then you know we have this larger size. And I just wonder. I mean, they must sell them. What do they sell them as? Are they four quart size? Are they? Or sorry, four liter size? Um, I don't know. Now there's this interesting thing of the. um the sort of triple connection between distance and volume and and weight and we do actually have the the connection between volume and weight um, there's a, a saying a pints a pound the world round um, one pint of milk weighs about one pound pretty close to it so um, again for day-to-day use fairly convenient um, and and in volumetric measurements kind of that pattern of halves continues from tablespoons two tablespoons for a uh, an ounce and then you end up with eight ounces to make a cup and so you, you know half cup is four or whatever right so there's some different different ones in there and uh, oftentimes you end up with things like a third of a cup or, or a quarter of a cup quarter cup of course is even an ounce a third of a cup isn't um when, when you're baking you you, you kind of see some of these other things where we have a third or two-thirds of something <clears throat> so those ones aren't aren't the, the ones i'd say work well right because you, know, you need something like base 12 to be able to handle those thirds better. Um, it might work better if you were using teaspoons as your base unit because there are two teaspoons, um, or three teaspoons in a tablespoon, and that's kind of where that pattern is broken. To be honest, that's a small enough quantity of stuff that it is not, not a convenient day-to-day thing, right? A, a teaspoon is a very small quantity. And I think it kind of falls out of, of where I think that the the customary system in the United States really works well, which is, you know, the the kind of standard human-sized, human experience things. Um, you could look at uh, at a mile, and I've heard the mile was defined as how far someone could see or something. Uh, you could look at a mile as a 20-minute walk. A mile is a unit that's big enough that... Um, you know a mile versus a kilometer really isn't that um meaningful on a human scale a, a lot of them will be but you know the difference between a 20 minute walk and a 15 minute walk that's that's kind of the difference between a mile and a kilometer um you know you don't need to think too much about that i i read a really interesting thing not too long ago about um about the the mile um the definition of a mile and there's actually two definitions of a mile now I I kind of alluded to this earlier. In the United States, we we metric metricized, metricized, you know, went to the metric system in like eighteen seventy officially. All of our weights and measures are defined in metric units. And so a cup is defined as a certain number of milliliters. Uh a there's a certain fraction of a meter that is one foot. And um and the mile, uh, there's actually two of them. There's the international mile, which is the one that people typically use in in roads or whatever, and there's a survey mile, which is one that was traditionally used by surveyors. And there's a, a move to kind of phase out the survey mile. And on any kind of human scale, they are practically identical. Uh, it's you know you're in the parts per million difference, but over hundreds of miles it starts to make a difference. Maybe it's not, you know, it might not be low parts per million, but it's you know maybe parts per thousand, right? It's it's enough that you're talking less than an inch in a in a standard survey lot. But if you're using survey miles for a map, things are going to be in the wrong place once you get away from your origin point. So, you know, that's that's clearly a problem, right? And that that needs to be standardized and fixed and you know whether it standardizes to regular miles or kilometers doesn't really matter, right? It's it's kind of arbitrary. And, and what I mean by arbitrary is, you know, in the electronics industry, some, some places use millimeters to lay things out, but a lot of places use mils. So they take uh, thousands of an inch as their size measurement, which is pretty close to a millimeter. And it works fine, right? They just picked a unit and used it, and it's okay. In aviation, because the United States was sort of a pioneer of aviation... Heights are given in feet, right? Statutory feet, 12-inch feet, and again, it it works fine, right? It's very clear. The instruments say it. The pilots know what it is. You might take that same pilot and ask them what a six-foot person looks like, and they'll be unsure, right? Because they haven't thought too much about it. But if you tell them, well, one of those foot is one of those feet is the size of your foot, they'll go, oh well, yeah, you know, I guess about like that, and then they'll know. Um... And I feel like the meter, aside from the height thing, it's sort of an Im- impractical size. Um, you know, it's a little bit too long to measure a person, and centimeters, which is the unit that people use, is too small. I guess uh, decimeters, like a tenth of a meter, would be a, a better unit, but no one actually uses that. Um, I, I feel like if I were, that would be more what I want because. You know, then you get up to, like, 18 of something, which is a little bit more than you can, you know, reasonably imagine in your mind. But at least it's close. Um, you know, it's... It's it's a reasonable size. Um, the... You know, but a meter is, you know, some distance thing that's, you know, may, maybe a little bit too big for stuff you hold in your hand and too small for measuring people who aren't kids. So it's, you know... It, Again, it's arbitrary. It's fine as a base unit, but I think it's maybe not quite the best unit um, lengthwise for a lot of stuff in your day to day life and uh, you know it's 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 the standard, and that's really what it comes down to, right like you can you can use anything as the basis as long as everyone agrees with you um, as as I think i've I've argued here, the system of the United States for your day- to- day life is a person. Is pretty good. Um, there's it's it's one of the reasons that people here don't change it. There's also a very cultural reason, right? Like it it's just what we grew up with, and the units work fine. There's their metric equivalents. You know, do we do we do our science? Not often, right? There have been some mistakes that have happened because we have, right? You know, NASA had that famous explosion because of a unit mismatch, um, and we use metric units. All the time. Um, You know, you go into a a store and you want to buy a bottle of soda, you're going to be buying a one liter or two liter bottle or something like that. If you buy a bottle of water, it's a half liter. Um, You know, we use pounds instead of kilograms. Uh, You know, I can't really say much about that. There's, you know, no real advantage that I see of one system versus the other. Um... You know, Maybe that British system with stones, which I think are six pounds or something like that, might be a little bit better um, in terms of you know imagine, imagining weight, but I, I don't have enough experience with it to say that it is or isn't, because I feel like you can generally tell a one-pound difference for lighter-weight objects, but when things get heavier, it feels like weight is something that's a little bit more of a... Well, like anything, right? As you start looking at greater distances, if you're looking at something a kilometer away, a one meter difference is kind of meaningless to you as a person. Um, and same thing if you're looking a mile away, a one yard difference or one foot difference or whatever, meaningless. So, you know, I don't have much to say about weight other than, you know, it's a little over two pounds per kilogram. Um, you know, if you're unaware of that, that's, that's the conversion. It's 2.2 pounds. And, you know, an ounce is a pound, so, or a pint's a pound rather. So, uh, you know that that's our kind of conversion you get used to your weight in pounds you get used to your your temperatures and then and you just go with it right and you spend some time around it and it becomes normal and you're going to do it because it's what people around you are using if you're here right if you're in the United States if you go to another country pretty soon everything's going to be in metric you're going to use metric for everything um i'll i'll just finish up with a couple things um there are some unusual units that uh aren't Aren't too uncommon. Like there's dry volumetric units, like the bushel. It's used uh, primarily in farms and stuff. Pecks and bushels. Um, those are those are volume units used to sell like fruit. Um, so you know, bushels kind of a basket size. A peck is a small basket. Um, there's uh, you know furlongs, which is the length of like one row in a farm in England or or something like that. It's two hundred and twenty yards. Um, so yards have kind of fallen out of favor outside of golf yard is pretty close to a meter it's just a little shorter um it's three feet and so um you know furlongs are interesting because eight furlongs makes a mile and in 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 a world of agriculture that's probably pretty useful stuff right because you'll know how many how many rows of crops you can get in a given mile but as the world's industrialized that unit isn't as useful for people who aren't doing agriculture and so you know, it's it's kind of fallen by the wayside. I did have fun in in high school physics class. I used to do a lot of my speeds in like furlongs per hour or whatever, and then convert to whatever unit the perf- the, the teacher had asked for at the end. Um, you know, it was just a fun way to to make my stuff hard to follow. But you know, if I knew I was going to get the right answer, I could just show it that way and and bother the teacher. They couldn't take any points off for it, right? Because the math all worked out. But you got you got to make the teacher think, right? That was that was part of it. Um, there are some other other things, right? Like barrels of oil, 42 gallons, just so happens to be. Um, so I, I don't know. Those are those are some of the more interesting units. Um You know, having said all this, you know, the most intuitive system is the one you've been trained to use your whole life. So you're gonna intuitively know what a lot of this stuff is, despite not being able to imagine what 162 of something actually looks like. Because that's you know that's that's impossible, but you'll still know what 162 centimeters looks like because you've, yeah, you've been around that, right? And and if you if you take it into uh, decimeters, uh, you know even if you're not that familiar with it, you know about what 10 centimeters looks like. You can kind of kind of map that out. I, I kind of feel like somewhere around 15 is the limit. If you get over 15 of something, it's pretty hard to to imagine what the what the combined sizes will be. Um, all right. So the last thing I wanted to talk about is a YouTube video that's linked in the description, and in this, um, they went the guy went through all the different base units of measurement systems. The, there's seven of them. I, I read them earlier for the metric system. Um, you'll notice I didn't read them for the customary system in the United States because, again, I think for um, day-to-day use that stuff's great, but for scientific use, you know, you should use what what other scientists are using, right? That's the convention. Um, but they're all there, right? You can do all your physics. I did a lot of physics in high school and in U.S. units because that was what the problem said. And other ones I did in the other units, and it was fine, right? Neither was harder than the other because you could just convert, it. Um, right? It's, you know, some, some factor at the end. You know, square footage or cubic footage, right? You've got to convert a couple times, and temperatures are kind of a pain because it's not just a multiplication. There's an addition in there too, but none of it's really very hard. Um, this guy took all of those, and he came up with a the CCC system. I don't want to spoil it uh, all the way, but he broke things down into a speed, a unit of energy, and a frequency, and that's how you got things. And if you want, want to know why it would be called CCC, it's because you have the... Um, MKS system, which is meters, kilograms, seconds, and that's what the uh, metric system is kind of thought of in some in some sense as its base units, right? The the really really necessary base units are length, mass, and time, because so much of what you do, right? Volumes can be derived from length, um, sp- uh, speeds are length and time, right? And and so you've got you know mass mass and time give you energy, so um, you're able to kind of Work out a lot of the other units that way. So, uh, if you're if you're feeling like kind of continuing this uh, idea on and understanding a little bit better, I highly recommend that. It's kind of funny and it's an interesting kind of investigation of the these different units. So I hope uh, I hope I haven't made you too angry listening to this, and I hope that you know with an open mind, uh, it's given you some kind of different perspectives on the systems that we use to measure. Um you know, and and really giving you a different way of thinking about it, right? These different number systems that are there really impact how we use things. And if we were using base twelve or base sixty as our number system, I think the metric system would be really cool. But we're not. We're using base ten. And that's where it gets its power from, right? It really comes from the fact that we've all decided that ten is the, the base of how we count. And if we'd picked something else, I think we'd have a very different system and be fascinating. Thanks for listening. My name is Josh, and this is Brighter Evening. Thank you for listening to Brighter Evening. I hope I've made your evening brighter. You can subscribe to us by RSS on Google or Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. For more information on the show or this episode, please visit brighterevening.com.